you are now tuned into World War II Stories. I'm your host, Steve Matthews, and I'm here to take you on a journey through the whirlwind of historical events that shaped our world and defined generations. Stay tuned every Tuesday and Thursday as we delve into the riveting, inspiring, and sometimes tragic stories from World War II. We'll meet the brave men and women who stood up to tyranny, we'll explore clandestine operations and daring escapes, and we'll pay tribute to the resilience of the human spirit in times of extreme adversity. Also, be sure to check out our other podcast focusing on World War I, the conflict that set the stage for the global turmoil that followed. Use the link in the description below. In the heart of the Pacific, as World War II raged on, the serenity of the endless azure sea belied the tensions simmering just beneath its surface. It was 1944, a critical year that would mark a turning point in a conflict that had consumed nations, altered lives, and left indelible marks on human history. As the fiery sun set on the western horizon, the whispering winds carried an air of anticipation. The stage was set for one of the greatest naval engagements ever to unfold, the Battle of the Philippine Sea. Halfway across the world, two of the most formidable naval forces ever assembled were preparing for a decisive showdown. On one side, the United States, under the shrewd and resolute Admiral Chester W. Nimitz, was gradually reclaiming its lost territories in the Pacific. On the other side, Japan, led by the stalwart Admiral Somu Toyota, was readying its last, desperate bid to halt the relentless American advance. Both sides were locked in a precarious chess game, with the strategic Mariana Islands serving as the grand prize. In this clash of titans, strategies would unravel, heroes would rise, and destinies would be forever changed. The Battle of the Philippine Sea was not just a battle between fleets, it was a contest of wills, a test of human resilience, and a measure of national resolve. As we delve into this extraordinary story, we witness a turning point that reshaped the Pacific theater and the world at large, leaving behind a legacy that continues to echo in the annals of military history. Chapter 1 Setting the Stage As the year 1944 unfolded, the world held its breath, ensnared in the throes of World War II. On the global stage, a myriad of stories of courage, sacrifice, and despair were being written, each one adding a unique thread to the rich tapestry of human history. Amidst this chaos, the Pacific lay like a tranquil giant, its placid surface belying the strategic and political upheavals that roiled beneath. Across the vast expanse of the Pacific, on the deck of his flagship USS Indianapolis, stood Admiral Nimitz. His gaze, steel blue like the sea he commanded, was unwavering, locked on the western horizon where the sun was preparing to cede its place to twilight. A brilliant tactician and a seasoned sailor, Nimitz was not just a man, he was the embodiment of the American naval spirit. His unflinching resolve, even in the face of the gravest adversities, had guided the American forces through some of their darkest hours. Half a world away, a man of equal stature but opposing intent walked the deck of his flagship, the Taiho. Admiral Somu Toyota, commander-in-chief of the combined fleet of the Imperial Japanese Navy, looked across the seemingly endless waters. As the crimson hues of the setting sun reflected in his thoughtful gaze, 
Toyota was a man burdened by the weight of his nation's hopes and the critical task that lay ahead. A brilliant strategist, he held the fate of the land of the rising sun in his hands. Underneath the cloak of the Pacific's tranquility, the two naval juggernauts were gearing up for a confrontation. The Mariana Islands, nestled in the cerulean heart of the ocean, had taken on a significance far beyond their humble size. Both America and Japan recognized their strategic importance, the islands were a gate either to the Japanese homeland or the vast Pacific expanse. This beautiful archipelago, with its emerald green jungles and soft, sandy beaches, had unwittingly become the focal point of a looming battle. As dusk descended, the once golden sky was gradually filled with the inky cloak of the night, pierced only by the silvery glow of the moon and the sparkling tapestry of stars. There was an air of anticipation, a tension that hummed in the quiet rustling of the waves against the hulls of the waiting warships. Unbeknownst to the world, a new chapter was about to be written in the annals of history. The Pacific was no longer a theater of war, it was about to become a tempest, a storm that would decide the fate of nations. Amid the starlit silence of the Pacific, the faces of two men were bathed in the pale glow of strategy maps and fleet reports. Each in his command room, thousands of miles apart, they were the masterminds of an imminent showdown, their orders poised to ripple through the vast ocean and stir it into a frenzy of war. Their names were etched into the annals of World War II with a profound resonance, Chester W. Nimitz and Somu Toyota. Admiral Chester Nimitz, a tall man with a clean-cut figure, had a demeanor that was as calming as the Texas plains where he had spent his childhood. Behind his deep-set eyes, however, lived a mind of extraordinary strategic acumen. He was not one for grand gestures or loud proclamations, but his steady voice had a knack for cutting through the noise of the war room. The crew of his flagship, the USS Indianapolis, knew his measured stride all too well, echoing assurance and firm resolve through the steel corridors. Meanwhile, thousands of miles across the sea, Admiral Somu Toyota shared the silence of the night with his flagship, the Taiho. There was an air of determination about him that belied the tranquility of his surroundings. Toyota was a man of few words, but his silence spoke volumes. His orders, though delivered calmly, held the weight of the entire Imperial Japanese Navy. He carried on his shoulders the responsibility of defending his homeland and the expectations of a nation that looked up to him in these desperate times. Nimitz and Toyota, although never meeting face to face, were about to engage in a strategic duel that would echo across the ages. The chessboard was the vast expanse of the Pacific, their pieces were fleets of warships and squadrons of aircraft, and the game? The game was war. Each admiral plotted, planned, and prepared to outmaneuver the other, fully aware that the winner would hold the key to the Pacific. In their respective war rooms, beneath the dim glow of lamplight, these admirals were more than military men. They were the embodiment of the hopes and fears of millions, the personification of the struggle between two mighty nations. As the clock ticked towards confrontation, they finalized their plans, every move and countermove weighed and measured. They were ready to make their moves on the grand chessboard of the Pacific, a testament to their strategic brilliance and their nation's resolve. The game was on, 
and the outcome would forever change the course of the world's largest ocean and the war itself. The Mariana Islands, a string of pearls scattered across the western Pacific, held a tranquil beauty that belied their significance in the global theater of war. Amid the azure expanse of the sea, they seemed like idyllic slices of paradise, with their lush tropical foliage and pristine beaches kissed by the frothy edges of clear blue waters. Unspoiled and resplendent, these islands had become the unlikely crossroads of a deadly international power play. Inhabited for thousands of years by the Chamorro and Carolinian people, the archipelago boasted a rich history and unique culture. The islands had been colonized, first by Spain, then sold to Germany, and later seized by Japan during World War I. By World War II, they were heavily fortified by the Japanese, not only as defensive bastions but as crucial staging areas for their expansionist goals. In the midst of this grand theater of international politics and military strategy, everyday life on the islands moved at a different pace. The native people, carrying the legacy of their rich history, lived in harmony with the bountiful nature around them. The gentle rustling of palm leaves and the serene rhythm of the waves were occasionally interrupted by the distant hum of airplane engines or the ominous silhouette of warships on the horizon. The island's strategic importance was not lost on Admiral Nimitz. The capture of the Marianas would not only cripple Japanese offensive capabilities but would also provide a launching pad for his forces to strike at the heart of Japan. On the other hand, Admiral Toyota was equally aware that losing these islands would mean a direct threat to Japan's homeland. The stakes couldn't be higher. The tension was palpable. Both sides understood that these peaceful islands were about to become the center of a violent struggle. Beneath the tranquil facade of swaying palms and gentle sea breezes, the chess game of war was ready to unfold, transforming the idyllic Marianas into a critical battleground. And so, as the sun set, casting long shadows over the tranquil landscape, the Mariana Islands braced themselves for the storm that was about to break. Chapter 2 Catalysts and Decisions Underneath the veil of an ordinary Pacific day, a plan of monumental proportions was taking shape in the heart of the Japanese Imperial Navy's command center. Known as Operation Ago, it was a plan of audacious scale, a gamble by the Japanese to stem the tide of the advancing American forces. The plan, steeped in a mix of desperation and courage, was to bring about a decisive naval battle that could alter the course of the Pacific War. Behind this daring strategy was the silent strength of Admiral Somu Toyota, the newly appointed commander-in-chief of the combined fleet. He recognized the stark reality, the Japanese Empire was being pushed back, and the loss of the strategic Marianas would expose the Japanese homeland to direct assault. Toyota was a man under enormous pressure, but his determination was unwavering. The words of his plan were etched deep in his mind the enemy will be contained by a decisive battle. Operation Ago was a bold endeavor, pivoting on the synchronization of land, air, and sea forces. It revolved around the idea of luring the American fleet into a trap and then unleashing an all-out assault, utilizing every available asset of the combined fleet. Every submarine, warship, and aircraft was to be mobilized. If successful, the operation could halt the American offensive and buy the Japanese valuable time. In the heart of the Taiho, 
Toyota's command ship, the air was filled with an uneasy anticipation. Maps strewn across tables bore the complex details of the operation. Officers huddled around, their faces etched with a mixture of resolve and apprehension. Toyota, standing tall amidst the flurry of activity, radiated a calm confidence, masking the calculated risk that underlined Operation Ago. As the plan moved from the drawing board to the vast expanse of the Pacific, the full weight of its ambition set in. It was a gamble, a single roll of the dice in a high-stakes game. In the balance hung the fate of the Japanese Empire, the lives of thousands of sailors and airmen, and the course of World War II in the Pacific. With a deep breath, Toyota gave the final order, setting into motion a military operation that would forever etch its name into the annals of naval warfare. Operation Ago was underway. On the bridge of the USS Indianapolis, Admiral Chester Nimitz found himself locked in a tactical dilemma. His weathered face, usually filled with steely resolve, bore traces of contemplation. Before him lay a formidable challenge, one that would test not only his military acumen but also the mettle of the entire American Pacific fleet. Nimitz's objective was clear, to reclaim the strategic Mariana Islands from Japanese control. Achieving it, however, was a puzzle that required careful maneuvering. To his west lay the powerful combined fleet of the Imperial Japanese Navy, poised and ready to defend their hold on the Marianas. While the American forces were impressive, he knew that underestimating his opponent could have dire consequences. As Nimitz delved deeper into the strategic conundrum, the deck beneath his feet buzzed with activity. The sailors around him, from green recruits to seasoned veterans, worked with precision and determination, each man playing his part in the vast machinery of the fleet. The hum of engines, the clatter of equipment, and the crackle of radio communications formed the symphony of impending conflict. The decision before Nimitz was far from simple. Should he take a direct approach, risking a possible ambush by the Japanese fleet, or should he execute a more cautious flanking maneuver, potentially buying his opponent time to strengthen their defenses? Time was a luxury Nimitz didn't have. Each passing moment brought the fleets closer to the inevitable confrontation. Finally, after hours of deliberation and counsel with his staff, Nimitz made his choice. A sense of resolve replaced the contemplation on his face. His decision embraced the audacious spirit of the American offensive and the calculated risks of naval warfare. He chose to press forward, deciding to engage the Japanese fleet head-on. It was a daring move, one that would pit his forces against the full might of the Japanese Navy. With his plan set, Nimitz gave the orders to his fleet, his voice steady and resolute over the crackling radio. The tone of activity on the Indianapolis shifted subtly as the sailors prepared to enact their admiral's commands. The Pacific Theater was about to witness a battle of titanic proportions, where strategies would be tested, heroes would rise, and the course of the war could potentially be altered. The die was cast and the fate of the Mariana Islands hung in the balance. June 19, 1944, dawned with an electric tension in the air. The Pacific, its usually tranquil waters stirred by the approaching storm of war, bore witness to two naval behemoths readying for the impending clash. 
the chess game that had started with strategic positioning and careful maneuvers had reached a critical junction, a tipping point that would define the fate of the Pacific Theater and, perhaps, the entire World War. On this day, Operation Ago sprang into action. Japanese aircraft swarmed the skies like a dark, formidable cloud, a visual testament to Admiral Toyota's audacious plan. From the bridge of the Taiho, Toyota watched the first wave take flight, their engines roaring into the morning air, carrying the hopes and fears of the Japanese Empire with them. At the same moment, Admiral Nimitz, standing steadfast on the deck of the USS Indianapolis, was alerted to the approaching Japanese aircraft. As the alarm bells tolled, the calm determination etched on his face betrayed no sign of alarm. The American fleet was prepared. Nimitz's bold gamble was about to be tested in the crucible of battle. The skies above the Mariana Islands were soon filled with the deafening roars of engines, the piercing whistle of diving aircraft, and the thunderous boom of anti-aircraft guns. Hellcat fighters, the prized possessions of the American fleet, took to the skies, engaging the incoming wave of Japanese aircraft. The Battle of the Philippine Sea was underway and the Pacific became a colossal stage for a deadly dance between the forces of the rising sun and the stars and stripes. The battle raged throughout the day, twisting and turning with each passing hour. Amid the chaos and fury, a pivotal moment emerged. American submarine USS Albacore, lying in wait beneath the ocean's surface, sighted the Taiho. In a move that would alter the course of the battle, it launched a torpedo strike hitting Toyota's flagship. Though Toyota survived, the Taiho did not. The loss of their largest carrier was a devastating blow to the Japanese, signaling a shift in the balance of the battle. The sinking of the Taiho marked the tipping point of the Battle of the Philippine Sea. As news of the strike reached Nimitz, a grim satisfaction settled over him. His daring gamble was paying off. As the sun set, Painting the sky in hues of crimson and gold, the first day of battle drew to a close. Amid the smoke and flames, the American forces stood strong. The Battle of the Philippine Sea was far from over, but the first round had tipped decidedly in America's favor. The Mariana Islands, and the outcome of the war, seemed within their reach. Chapter 3 Clash in the Philippine Sea The morning of June 19th, 1944, broke over the Pacific, carrying with it the heavy anticipation of battle. As the first rays of sunlight pierced the horizon, they illuminated the formidable silhouettes of two opposing forces, the fleets of the Imperial Japanese Navy and the United States Pacific Fleet. As if stirred by an unseen hand, the tranquil waters of the Pacific began to churn with the grim dance of war. From the bridge of the Taiho, Admiral Somu Toyota watched as the first wave of his air fleet took to the skies. He had played his first card in the high-stakes game of war, setting Operation Ago in motion. The aircraft soared, an ominous cloud against the morning sky, their engines roaring a challenge that reverberated across the waters. Across the expanse of the ocean, Admiral Chester Nimitz responded to the approaching threat. As the tolling alarms echoed through the USS Indianapolis, Nimitz's orders sliced through the cacophony with the precision of a surgeon's scalpel. His Hellcat fighters, the crown jewels of the American fleet, 
rose to meet the Japanese onslaught. The sky, once a canvas of peace, was now an arena for a deadly aerial ballet. The opening salvos of the Battle of the Philippine Sea were unlike anything the Pacific had witnessed before. From the belly of the American aircraft carriers, swarms of fighters took flight, their wings glinting menacingly in the morning sun. They danced through flak and fire, twisting and diving, as they engaged the incoming wave of Japanese aircraft. Down below, the waters of the Pacific were also coming alive with the grim dance of war. Submarines, the silent predators of the deep, positioned themselves for the hunt. Among them, the USS Albacore waited, its crew tense and ready. Their patience was rewarded when they sighted the Taiho, the flagship of Admiral Toyota. With the ripple that was barely felt, they launched their deadly payload. The opening salvos of the Battle of the Philippine Sea marked the beginning of a conflict that would echo through the annals of history. It was a testament to the bold gambles of Nimitz and Toyota, and the bravery of the men who took to the skies and the depths of the sea. As the day wore on, these opening moves would evolve into a full-blown symphony of war, heralding a battle that would forever mark the waters of the Pacific. As the second day of battle dawned on June 20, 1944, the Pacific sky was once again filled with the roar of engines and the anticipation of combat. What unfolded in the hours that followed would become one of the most decisive air battles in history, famously known as the Marianas Turkey Shoot. American Admiral Mark Mitcher, commanding the Fast Carrier Task Force, had the unenviable task of leading the American air power in the face of the formidable Japanese attack. Mitcher, known for his aggressive tactics, was ready to seize the opportunity presented by the incoming waves of Japanese aircraft. He ordered his Hellcat fighters into the air, setting the stage for a high-stakes confrontation. The Japanese pilots, already exhausted from the previous day's fighting, found themselves locked in a struggle that quickly tilted against them. American radar technology and superior fighter aircraft began to take a toll on the Japanese forces. Their Zero fighters, once the pride of the Imperial Japanese Navy, found themselves outmaneuvered and outgunned by the American Hellcats. As the battle unfolded, the American pilots used their advantages to deadly effect. They swooped and dived, their Hellcats behaving like birds of prey as they picked off the Japanese aircraft. With each passing hour, the scale of the carnage became apparent. The ocean below began to be littered with the wreckage of downed aircraft, a grim testament to the ferocity of the aerial combat. Back on the American carriers, the mood was one of grim satisfaction. For each wave of Japanese aircraft that approached, it seemed as if more were shot down. Among the pilots, the term turkey shoot started to spread, symbolizing the scale of their dominance in the air battle. It was a dark humor, born from the grim reality of war. The Marianas turkey shoot highlighted the tectonic shift in the Pacific War. American technological advantages, the superiority of their aircraft, and the tactical acumen of their leaders were proving to be decisive. The relentless onslaught from the American side wore down the Japanese air power, delivering a crippling blow to their fighting capabilities. By the end of the day, the sky was clear of Japanese aircraft. The Battle of the Philippine Sea was drawing to a close, 
and the victory was tipping significantly in favor of the American forces. The day's fighting had cemented the legacy of the Marianas Turkey Shoot, a grim chapter in the Pacific War that highlighted the changing tides of battle. As twilight descended on June 20, 1944, the waters of the Pacific were witness to an engagement that would echo through history. The final day of the Battle of the Philippine Sea was drawn to a close, but the fight was far from over. The twilight hours brought with them a new, desperate urgency, as both sides sought to assert their dominance. In the fading light, Admiral Mitcher faced a daunting challenge. Many of his pilots were still in the air, attempting to land their damaged or fuel-depleted aircraft on the pitching decks of the American carriers. Mitcher made a bold decision, one that embodied the audacious spirit of the American Naval Command during the Pacific War. He ordered the carriers to turn on their lights, effectively turning them into beacons in the vast, dark expanse of the Pacific. This move, while endangering the fleet by revealing their location to any lurking Japanese submarines or aircraft, illustrated Mitcher's commitment to his pilots. It was a risk, but one he was willing to take to ensure the safe return of as many of his men as possible. Meanwhile, on the other side of the engagement, the Japanese forces were in disarray. The loss of their aircraft in the day's disastrous turkey shoot and the sinking of the Taiho had left them reeling. Despite their losses, they refused to retreat. Japanese pilots, embodying the spirit of Bushido, continued to launch desperate attacks, trying to inflict as much damage as they could. The twilight engagement was a spectacle of determination, courage, and desperation. The American fleet, illuminated against the night sky, became a stage upon which the final acts of the battle played out. The roar of engines and the crash of waves filled the night air as American pilots made their perilous landings. As night fell, the scale of the American victory began to emerge from the smoke and fire of the battle. The twilight engagement marked the end of the Battle of the Philippine Sea, a battle that had witnessed extraordinary courage, grim losses, and a decisive shift in the course of the Pacific War. The final echoes of battle slowly faded into the darkness leaving behind a Pacific forever changed by the events of those three fateful days. Chapter 4, Triumph and Tragedy In the wake of the Battle of the Philippine Sea, the tides of war had undeniably turned. The American victory was more than a military triumph, it was a stark symbol of shifting power dynamics in the Pacific theater. The Turning Tides chapter of the Battle of the Philippine Sea began to unfold, reshaping the course of World War II. Admiral Chester Nimitz stood on the deck of the USS Indianapolis, surveying the aftermath of the battle. The wreckage of Japanese planes littered the ocean, stark reminders of the ferocity of the conflict and the scale of the American victory. Nimitz's gamble had paid off. His strategy had not only led to victory but also had effectively neutralized the threat posed by Japanese naval aviation in the Pacific. The success in the Battle of the Philippine Sea had come at a cost, but the American forces had demonstrated their superior tactics, technology, and resolve. The U.S. Navy had effectively decimated the core of the Japanese carrier aviation. In essence, the Japanese Navy had been robbed of its offensive power, forcing it into a defensive stance for the remainder of the war. 
Across the Pacific, Admiral Somu Toyota grappled with the reality of the defeat. The loss of the Taiho, coupled with the decimation of their air forces, was a bitter pill to swallow. The Battle of the Philippine Sea had exposed the vulnerabilities of the Imperial Japanese Navy, their lack of experienced pilots, their technological shortcomings, and the vulnerabilities of their strategic planning. The turning tides also had profound implications for the wider context of World War II. The American victory opened up the way for the invasion of the Mariana Islands, including Guam, Tinian, and Saipan. These islands would provide critical bases for the new B-29 Super Fortress bombers, bringing mainland Japan within range and setting the stage for the final phase of the Pacific War. Turning Tides is not just a chapter in the Battle of the Philippine Sea, it is a turning point in the history of the Second World War. This marked a shift in momentum towards the Allied forces, heralding the beginning of the end for the Imperial Japanese Navy and contributing to the eventual end of the war. The Battle of the Philippine Sea was a crucible in which the future of the Pacific was forged, a testament to the determination, courage, and strategic brilliance of the forces involved. As the dust settled following the Battle of the Philippine Sea, Japan found itself licking its wounds. It was a victory, but one that came at a heavy price. It was a Pyrrhic victory, where the cost of the victory was so severe that it carried the weight of a defeat. Admiral Toyota, back in Tokyo, was confronted with the grim task of assessing the damage. The numbers were sobering. The Imperial Japanese Navy had lost three carriers, including the Taiho, and hundreds of aircraft, a crippling blow to their naval aviation power. But perhaps even more devastating was the loss of experienced pilots, a resource that could not be quickly replenished. In the heart of Tokyo, Emperor Hirohito was informed of the results of the battle. Despite the losses, he was told of the courage and tenacity of the Japanese pilots who fought until the end, honoring their nation with their bravery. The narrative spun for the Japanese public spoke of a heroic resistance against overwhelming odds, but the truth was far from it. The battle was a testament to the commitment and sacrifice of the Japanese forces, who had fought valiantly against the superior foe. But it also exposed the vulnerabilities of the Imperial Japanese Navy. Their over reliance on the strategy of decisive battle, the lack of trained pilots, and their inferior aircraft and radar technology had all contributed to their losses. Despite the grim tally, Japan remained resolute. They had been bruised but not broken. They retreated, regrouped, and began the arduous task of rebuilding their forces. But the momentum had shifted irrevocably in favor of the Allies. The Battle of the Philippines Sea marked the beginning of a long and grueling journey for Japan one that would ultimately end in the surrender of the Imperial forces. In the grand scheme of World War II, the Battle of the Philippine Sea signaled a Pyrrhic victory for Japan. It was a moment that marked both their resilience and the stark realities of their situation. The cost of the battle was high, and the aftermath would set the stage for the final phases of the Pacific War, marking the beginning of the end for the Empire of the Sun. Chapter 5. The Aftermath Every battle carries a human cost, and the Battle of the Philippine Sea was no different. While it had significant strategic implications, the toll it took on the men who fought it was immense.
it was a grim testament to the fact that behind every statistic, every lost aircraft or sunken ship, there were human lives irrevocably altered. Admiral Mark Mitcher, known for his stoic demeanor, could not ignore the impact of the battle on his men. He saw the exhaustion etched on their faces as they returned from combat or spent hours on end tending to the wounded and repairing damaged planes. Yet, he also witnessed their unyielding spirit, their camaraderie, and their courage in the face of overwhelming adversity. The American forces lost 130 aircraft and suffered around 300 casualties in the battle. Each of these represented a life cut short or altered forever. Each loss was a story of a person, a father, a son, a brother, a friend who was left with memories of a life once lived and a profound sense of grief and loss. For Japan, the losses were staggering. Over 480 aircraft were lost and the lives of many of their finest pilots were extinguished. These pilots were trained in the samurai tradition, ready to sacrifice everything for their country. Yet the cost was not just in the loss of skilled pilots but in the future of Japan. Many of these pilots were young men, the future of the country, whose potential was lost on the battlefield. Beyond the immediate loss of life, there was a mental and emotional toll as well. The survivors, both American and Japanese, were left with memories of a brutal and terrifying battle. Many would carry these memories for the rest of their lives, silent witnesses to the horrors of war. The Human Cost chapter serves as a sobering reminder of the true cost of war, a cost that goes beyond numbers and strategy. It is a tribute to the men who fought in the Battle of the Philippine Sea a testament to their courage and sacrifice, and a reminder of the profound human cost that every battle extracts. The scars of the battle were not only marked on the landscape but also on the hearts and minds of those who survived, a lasting legacy of a battle fought in the vast expanse of the Pacific. In the aftermath of the Battle of the Philippine Sea, the Pacific theater was transformed. The strategic victory gained by the Americans had significant implications not only for the Pacific War but also for the course of World War II as a whole. Admiral Nimitz, standing on the deck of his flagship, the USS New Jersey, was already looking ahead. His gaze was set firmly on the horizon, towards the Marianas and, beyond them, the home islands of Japan. The victory in the Philippine Sea had cleared the path towards these strategic goals. His ambition was mirrored by the determination of his men, battle-hardened and buoyed by their recent victory. The capture of the Marianas was significant for several reasons. The islands of Guam, Saipan, and Tinian became crucial launching points for the next phase of the war. These islands brought mainland Japan within range of the newly developed B-29 Superfortress bombers. The Marianas became the stepping stones from which the final assault on the Japanese home islands would be launched. Back in Japan, the repercussions of the Battle of the Philippine Sea were being keenly felt. Despite efforts to spin the narrative as one of heroic resistance, the reality was hard to ignore. The losses incurred were not easily replaceable, and the once formidable Japanese navy was now on the back foot. The looming threat of an assault on the home islands was now a real and pressing concern. Emperor Hirohito, in his imperial palace, was presented with the harsh truth. 
the tide of the war was turning against Japan. The Battle of the Philippine Sea had brought the war perilously close to the home islands. It was a sobering realization that marked the beginning of a defensive struggle for Japan, a struggle that would last until the very end of World War II. From the Philippine Sea to the home islands encapsulates the transformative effects of the Battle of the Philippine Sea. It tracks the strategic and psychological shift from the open waters of the Pacific to the doorsteps of the Japanese home islands. It marks the change in the nature of the war in the Pacific, a change that would culminate in the final chapters of World War II. In the aftermath of the catastrophic loss at the Battle of the Philippine Sea, Admiral Toyota found himself grappling with the harsh reality of the Imperial Japanese Navy's situation. The fleet, once the pride of the empire, was now in a state of disarray, its ranks thinned, its morale battered. Yet, the spirit of the samurai, the fierce will to fight to the last man, remained unbroken. Back in Tokyo, Toyota convened a series of meetings with his remaining staff, painstakingly working on a strategy to defend the home islands. The Imperial Navy may have been battered, but it was far from defeated. Its remaining forces, though limited, were still formidable. The Japanese were masters of innovative, if desperate, strategies, as would become evident in their use of kamikaze attacks in the battles that followed. In the months that followed, the Imperial Navy fought with a tenacity and bravery that could only stem from the knowledge that this was their last stand. Battles in the Leyte Gulf, the Sibuyan Sea, and finally, Okinawa, saw the remaining forces of the Japanese fleet fight valiantly against the superior enemy. Emperor Hirohito, informed of each new development, maintained a stoic facade. His heart, however, was heavy with the knowledge that each battle brought the war closer to the home islands. Yet he upheld the spirit of Bushido, the way of the warrior, urging his forces to fight to the end, for the honor of the empire. It was a time of desperate measures and fierce fighting spirit, an enduring testament to the courage and determination of the Imperial Navy, a force that fought with honor until the end. As the Battle of the Philippine Sea waged in the Pacific, the rest of the world was embroiled in its own struggles, every corner touched by the horrors and the heroism of World War II. On the shores of Normandy, the Allied forces led by General Eisenhower had initiated a massive invasion, a crucial step in reclaiming occupied Europe from the Nazis. News of the D-Day invasion reached Admiral Nimitz and his men, injecting them with a fresh wave of determination. They were thousands of miles apart, but the soldiers, sailors, and airmen in both theaters were bound by a shared objective, the defeat of the Axis powers. Back in the United States, President Roosevelt grappled with managing the war effort on multiple fronts. He closely followed the developments in the Pacific while ensuring the success of the European front. In his fireside chats, he painted a picture of unity and resolve, rallying the American public in a collective effort for victory. In the Soviet Union, Joseph Stalin, ever the opportunist, watched the unfolding events with keen interest. The major offensive by the Allies in the Pacific meant a further division of resources for the Axis powers, easing the pressure on the Eastern Front. Down under, Australia and New Zealand found themselves at the front lines of the Pacific War. As members of the Allied forces, 
they contributed significantly to the war effort. They provided support for the U.S. forces, their lands serving as staging areas for Pacific operations. This chapter of the war highlights the interconnectedness of events across the globe. From the battle-torn beaches of Normandy to the strategy rooms of global leaders, every aspect is intertwined, creating a holistic view of a world in the throes of the most extensive conflict in human history. Chapter 6 The Battle's Legacy The end of World War II in 1945 saw the global landscape drastically changed. The Battle of the Philippine Sea played a key role in shaping the final stages of the war in the Pacific and the geopolitical balance that followed. Admiral Nimitz, the architect of the American victory, became a celebrated figure in American military history, his strategic prowess commemorated in books, movies, and military academies. On the Japanese side, the battle dealt a significant blow to the Imperial Navy's pride and strength. Admiral Toyota, who led the Japanese forces, lived out the rest of his days in a Japan forever altered by the outcome of the war. His leadership during the difficult times, though marked by loss, was remembered for its unyielding resolve in the face of adversity. At the global level, the impact was equally significant. The destruction of the majority of Japan's carrier-based aircraft during the battle effectively shifted the balance of power in the Pacific. The United States emerged from the war as a global superpower, with its strategic and political influence extending across the Pacific and beyond. The moral and ethical implications of war are a timely echo in the modern world. The Battle of the Philippine Sea was marked by significant loss of life on both sides, a tragic testament to the human cost of war. The lessons of the battle continue to resonate, serving as stark reminders of the devastating consequences of global conflict. The Battle of the Philippine Sea marked a paradigm shift in naval warfare, with aircraft carriers taking center stage. The primary role of battleships was challenged and Admiral Nimitz was at the heart of this transformation. A visionary leader, Nimitz recognized the potential of carrier-based aircraft to exert control over vast swaths of oceanic battlefield. In the belly of the American aircraft carriers, engineers and mechanics worked tirelessly to maintain their fleet of aircraft. The battle marked the debut of new technologies, including advanced radar systems and more efficient, powerful aircraft. The Grumman F-6F Hellcat, which played a key role in the battle, is a notable example of such technological advancements. The aftermath of the battle saw a surge in development and research related to carrier warfare. Nations worldwide recognized the potential of aircraft carriers as the future of naval combat. The advent of jet technology and nuclear power, post-WW2, further amplified the role of aircraft carriers a trend that can be traced back to the lessons learned from the Battle of the Philippine Sea. Today, the islands of the Mariana Archipelago, once the epicenter of a brutal conflict, are tranquil territories under the United States administration. Saipan and Guam have grown into popular tourist destinations, their pristine beaches and crystal-clear waters a stark contrast to the bloody battle fought here decades ago. Despite the passage of time, the United States' military presence in the region remains substantial, 
a lasting legacy of World War II and the strategic importance gained through battles like the one fought in the Philippine Sea. Guam is home to significant U.S. military installations, demonstrating the ongoing strategic relevance of these islands. Japan, once the adversary, is now a close ally of the United States. The wounds of the past have healed, giving way to diplomatic ties and mutual cooperation. Yet, the remnants of the battle still linger. Sunken warships and downed aircraft serve as underwater memorials, a testament to the fierce fighting that took place. Despite the peace, the Pacific region is far from uneventful. The growing influence of China has sparked a new kind of tension, one that is more diplomatic than militaristic but is reminiscent of the strategic chess played during World War II. Countries around the Philippine Sea, including the Philippines, Taiwan, and others, find themselves once again at the center of a global power struggle. It's important that we reflect on the present and the future through the lens of the past. It illustrates how the events of a single battle continue to ripple through the years, shaping the fate of the Pacific region. From the tranquil beaches of Saipan to the bustling military bases on Guam, the shadow of the Battle of the Philippine Sea lingers, a reminder of the region's turbulent past and its strategic significance.